We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. All of a sudden in the last week, there's been lots of cars and cars experiences. Mm-hmm. We, we, yes, were, we were traveling to L.A. I actually touroed with my wife. I touroed a Volvo S90 that we all enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, we had a press car. You've probably already seen it because it was the world's fastest everyday driver turnaround. <laughs> yeah. we, we did a fast blast of the Corolla new hatchback XSE that you guys have asked about. It's the six-speed. Is the Corolla a hot hatch now? Blah, blah, blah. That's out. It's a hatch. It's a hat. It's a hatch. It, it has some hatchiness. hotness. It, it, it's it's is warm. There hotness? It's, yeah. Um, so there's that whole thing. And there's mm. actually some great questions coming up there. So we did that. It isn't cold, we'll say. And then when I came back, I actually ended up taking an Uber home. And I got to talking with my Uber driver. And I had a conversation that did not go as I expected. This is so interesting. We're talking. We're going from Salt Lake to Park City. And the thing about that is that's not a hard drive. Nothing about that drive is difficult. No, it's it's 25 easy. minutes. It's yeah, up right. a mountain pass. It's nice. Right. Now, granted, we've had a lot of weird weather this year, but there is a segment of people in Salt Lake, because I, I meet them, that, that are always like, how is it in Park City? Like, it's this wild, you know, crazy <laughs> place so far away. You're like, way, whoa, way up there. How is it coming down from Park? I'm like, it's Interstate 80. It's a federal highway. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so – so I just asked this Uber driver about going back and forth to Park City. He was like, yeah, I do it all the time. It's not a big deal. I don't care. And he was very easygoing about it. So then I went, wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> What's the farthest you've ever gone for somebody? And I expected an hour. Because Park City is a half hour. I expected an hour, maybe two hours, you know. Sure, maybe north up to Ogden you know, maybe, or something like that. May, you know, maybe you went to, you went to the south, southern end of Idaho. You went to, to sure. you know, Rexburg or something. Who knows? Right, okay? right. I'm expecting something like this. He looks at me in the rearview mirror and he goes, Vegas. And I went, wait, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's amazing. You went from Salt Lake City to Vegas on an Uber call? And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, tell me this story. <laughs> he said he showed up at this hotel here in Salt Lake called the Grand America. It's, it's an old, classic, uh, yeah, high-end hotel. it's been hotel. A long It's in time. the dead center of town, just yeah. so you know. He showed up at the Grand America and this old couple comes out to the car with bags. And they were very old. And he asked them, okay, first off, did you put the address in right? And they said, yeah. <laughs> we hate to fly. We don't like to fly. We want to go to the Bellagio in Vegas. Now, if you don't know, that is a six-ish hour drive one way. That's like a six, six-and-a-half-hour drive one way. Unreal. He did an Uber drive from Salt Lake to Vegas. I said, what did that cost him? He said, $800. <laughs> So he got an $800 Uber trip. He drove down to Vegas. He stayed with friends overnight because it's a six-hour drive one way. He stayed with friends overnight and then drove back. It's like less than 100 bucks on Southwest out of it Salt is, Lake to but Vegas. You clearly don't like to fly. You really, really you don't really like don't want to fly. You'd rather do the six-hour drive and pay $800 oh for it. Well, you know, and also, along those lines, you really want to go to Vegas. I mean, I guess honey, so. we're going to Vegas. Yeah, anyway. I always ask people at uh, checking me out at Costco, how much is the largest total oh, people sure. have spent? Same kind of, same sure. kind of idea. Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious, you know, and it's more like, you know, people who run restaurants or, mm-hmm. you know, big mm-hmm. one-time mm-hmm. purchases. They buy a bunch of TVs for a hotel yeah, or, sure. you know, things yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, it's yeah. always like, oh, my gosh, how crazy. 
That's awesome. Well, guys, happy Friday. Welcome back to the podcast. Yes, we're back in the studio, as you can tell, and mm-hmm. we have got original content coming up this Saturday tomorrow mm-hmm. on Motor Trend Network, so that is 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 a.m. Pacific. Set your DVRs, please. Yes. But it is pretty cool because it is the Jaguar E-Pace mm-hmm. right up against the Volvo XC40. They're actually both in blue, very different shades of blue. But, uh, yeah, both of those are together, and we drove around a section of Los Angeles called Westwood, which yeah, is right yeah, yeah. where University of California, Los Angeles, so UCLA is right in that area, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, pretty cool part of town, and you can see, uh, yeah, everything. It just fits right in with traffic. And, totally. And very much back to, you know, kind of the buying discussion for these sort of upper upper slice SUVs. It's the small five-seaters that neither of these car makers have ever made a car in this area before, and so it's it's the new versions for them. And, of course, you know, it's interesting to drive two very different SUVs. I really like that piece. It's pretty fun. It's it very is different. Cool. So that is actually tomorrow, Saturday. And, of course, all of this stuff, I'm going to tell you again, it is all coming to Amazon Prime and Vimeo. Expect late March when that's actually live. When it officially goes live, we will tell you that is in process. Meanwhile, the- We're going to also drop the entire season. We're not going to oh, yes, trickle yes, things yes. out. So yes. that is the difference this time around, even yes. though- I think that's kind of how it's gone down in the past, but we'll upload everything mm-hmm. and then make that available all at once. So you can get the entire season. Yeah, we're going right to set it up for binge watch for for season four. Yeah. So that is coming up soon. That is seven brand new episodes. I actually delivered episodes. Episode seven is done. It just hasn't actually gotten to velocity yet. So it's a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of last minute, yeah, but it is finished. Yeah. And episode seven is going to be crazy because it is. <laughs> um, I'm going to stay with the word adventure. It is our lemons racing adventure for the second time around. Yeah. Adventure is yeah. is uh, is being kind to that experience, but I'm but I'm genuinely excited for the conversation it it begins. Because it feels like one of those pieces yeah. that we are going to be talking to you guys the audience about what happened and it's almost like uh, go back to our Mid-Ages of Mountains film. Mm-hmm. Some of the crazy mm-hmm. stuff that happened on that was not on camera. The crazy stuff that happened in this lemons race is on camera. Which is what's fun about this. I look forward to talking about <laughs> it after point. it's happened. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, we cannot say. There's no, stuff no, I want to no. dissect and I want to sure. explain the headspace, but I'm sure. actually glad. Honestly, I'm glad the way it turned out mm-hmm. because of the visuals and because of the piece. So yeah, looking fun. forward to sharing that. And guys, thank you to Covercraft and Griot's Garage for sponsoring the TV season. And yes. it is Covercraft that headlines the entire season. We couldn't do it without these two companies, honestly. Yeah. Thank True. you to both these companies. They've been great to us. And if you buy anything on their website, Every day is the code to use when you're checking out for 10% off. Mm-hmm. So just think every day. And we're going to continue to use that code as we proliferate new yes. new advertisers. As that comes about, we're going to try to land on every day so that's just one single code for you to remember. We have snow transitioning to mud, and I have two dogs. I've never been so excited about having a rear seat cover <laughs> in my life. It's, it's the greatest <laughs> thing ever now. So if you have if you have a rear seat and, and children or dogs, I'm telling you, <laughs> spend the money on a good rear seat cover from Covercraft. Honestly, three years ago, even while my son was messier and my dog was younger, I would have thought, nah, but I, I can't even tell you how thrilled I am. Anyway, that's side note. Well, we've got some business to get to, but we will uh, talk about here some purchase updates. So this uh, first half of the podcast mm-hmm. is going to be four purchase updates. We have asked for those. Thank you guys for sending those in to us. It's These are going to be kind of fun because you get yeah. to hear what people have bought. It's the what you bought thing. There's a yeah, little sure. bit of a uh, an adjustment to when we ask for updates. Mm-hmm. Just uh, an addendum, I'll say. So when you're writing updates to us, write with the episode number of that 
you were featured in so that the podcast episode number that yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, uh, that we debated for you mm-hmm. that helps us because we can you know go back and reference that mm-hmm. but more importantly everybody listening can go back and listen to that as well yeah if they'd like to and it allows us to, to be able to list off okay so here's the stuff we listed for you and here's where you went because sometimes it matches and sometimes it doesn't which is what's kind of cool is we'll list three or four things <laughs> yeah. and you guys will buy, like, will buy some those sort guys of, are wrong exactly buy some buy sort of wild different. Card. but other times we'll list a bunch of things and you'll go off and you'll do drive homework and you'll and you'll land on something awesome and then there's the other phenomenon that happens that i've teased you about paul but it is regular and that is you'll blow somebody's budget out and we'll all go oh paul you blew out the budget and then we get the what you bought email back and the person spent 15 grand like fifteen thousand dollars more than they planned for well i know my budget was 30 but i just went and bought a car for 48 it's like whoa hang on so so we know this happens of course you know we are we are victims of this reality too so we love getting these what you bought uh, emails so we're going to go through a few of those and then we have a very cool car debate after the break as well that one's for austin writing to us austin writing from Houston. Did you notice that? I did. It'd be Austin. weird if Austin didn't live in Houston because Austin and Austin would just be too weird. Well, but th- that exists, though. I have met those people. <laughs> Austin living in Austin. It, maybe Austin lived in Austin and moved to Houston just to just to solve and that. I, I told anyway. you I knew a guy in in uh, art center named Dallas. So he lived in L.A. and he was. You know, well, named Dallas. There's that ridiculous. I mean, there's a lot of ridiculous yeah. moments, but there's that ridiculous take moment that pretty far. when they introduce. Uh, he introduces his whole squad in in Forrest Gump. And the whole squad is named after cities, but not the cities they're from. There's Dallas from Phoenix. Exactly. And everybody else exactly. is like that. It's just, you know, the whole group. Anyway, that's yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. Excellent. So, yeah, that's a side note. Anyway, now it's a movie podcast. All right, let's actually do a What You Bought section here. Well, we do. I, I do want to touch on uh, a little segment here about the Geneva Motor Show, oh, which has currently yes. gone down. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's actually currently going on. That is the Gene- Geneva Motor Show 2019. And I wanted to touch on some highlights and, well, kind of lowlights, but really, Geneva, if you've done, if you've looked at any coverage, you will notice that most of the exhibitors are such high-end brands that they're almost unrelatable. Well, they are unrelatable to the rest of us. It's a hypercar throwdown. It is insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not just the manufacturers, the Bugatti, Ferrari, Lamborghini, you know, the Evo Spider is out. And I look at that and I want to be excited, and I am. yeah. But it's almost like I don't care anymore because I'm interested in things like the Polestar 2 that came out from Uh, Volvo. Sure, sure. Which will be in the U.S. market for $63,000, which is not cheap. But to me, that's interesting. interesting. That's a whole lot less than a Tesla Model S. That's, you know... Yeah, a little bit more than Model Three, but now now we're talking. Now we've got yeah, some yeah, talking yeah. points here. Yeah, we've got for some, sure. Some discussion because well, but, you know I see the Koenigsegg Jesko, named mm-hmm. after Christian von Koenigsegg's father. Mm-hmm. Cool, amazing. The Very technology, cool. All of, it's cool. all of his stuff is so cool. I love reading about him and yeah, understanding. Yeah, yeah. Holy cow, you are bringing some very creative ways of approaching just their new transmission in that car. They call yeah. it the light speed transmission transmission because it is now without synchros. Mm. It shifts so fast, it's lighter on and on. It's just yeah. amazing. But I'm thinking, how does that you know, how does that trickle down to the rest of us? Mm-hmm. In some cases it doesn't. It's for those high end cars that'll many cases sit in garages. Well, it's interesting you bring that up about Christian von Koenigsegg because the guy clearly has got some genius ideas for cars. Absolutely. He's done crazy things. I mean, he's like retrofitted his Saab with a crazy engine and all this kind of stuff. What's interesting is to this point, Koenigsegg hasn't really become, and I mean this as a compliment, please follow me, they haven't really become Lotus. And what I mean is not 
a company that rarely sells cars and can't remain solvent. I don't mean that. I mean the part of Lotus that was that was Lotus Engineering that's been hired by all kinds of car companies throughout history to help them refine certain parts of what they do. To mm-hmm. my knowledge, yeah, Koenigsegg yeah. isn't directly taking these technological breakthroughs they're coming up with and selling them to GM or Ford or right. whoever. And that right. would be interesting. But as a result, it's staying very kind of four-walled into the people that actually buy his stuff. And again, the new Aston Martins and all this kind of stuff, we're talking about hypercars that are such hypercars and such, we just thought of this and rolled out a, rolled out the new one, that they're almost vaporware. Almost. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? And the, one of my favorites, actually, is the Aston Martin Vanquish Vision concept. It's, very it's cool. not the 003, it's which is cool. the hypercar. Yeah. This is the Vision concept. Mm-hmm. And I will say... Aston has now broken out of their styling, I guess, uh, style playbook mm-hmm. and out completely. of their mold to introduce something completely new that mm-hmm. is very them yeah, and yeah. now is trickling down to the lesser expensive. I'm, I'm excited looking at new mm-hmm. form language. It's at the very high end, but that doesn't mean new form language can't be explored and introduced from other manufacturers sure, sure, sure. like the Honda E electric vehicle, the prototype. Yeah, the little guy, yeah. It is so clean, so simple, yes. it's unfussy. Yes. Doing that kind of design is actually very hard mm-hmm. because the surfaces and the proportions are so carefully crafted. Mm-hmm. You think you just, well, I'll just spit out the design. I bet you th- it's almost as much work as something like that Aston. I'm, I'm willing I'm to go fully, there. I fully agree that it is because it's all about the details and making it compact and still making it look. And here's the thing. I know this sounds crazy, but you look at that car and it looks cheerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many little compacts look gruff or they look compromised or they look, well, we just we just needed something, so we just made it look cheap. This looks, A, well-designed, and B, happy to exist. <laughs> Which is weird to say about a car, but I actually think that matters too. I mean, okay, you were just talking about Aston Martin. The current Vantage, its problem is it has a catfish nose. Gorgeous design with a catfish nose. Yeah. No one actually backed up and went, that looks like a catfish. It looks like a bottom feeder. Nobody thought that. I mean, yeah. Here is an all-electric car, which could be a, you know what, that's good enough. Let's just punt. And it just looks happy. Yeah. Proportions are great. It looks... It looks so relatable, and that's why mm-hmm. I love Geneva for that. I mean, th- the point is, good design can happen at both levels, but it almost happens better at a constrained budgetary level than a blue sky, you know, like the Bugatti mm-hmm. La Voiture Noire, the black v- Bugatti yeah. that is one. Yeah, we made a what? single different okay. body on a Chiron. I'm, who would I'm like to write the check? Not even caring. And there's companies like Mansory who can make your Chiron even cooler, and you can spend more money on it. If are, you're are, just not happy with the base Chiron. Are we going with cooler? Because I don't know that Mansory really helps anything look cooler. More unique, more expensive, I'll, I'll, more you're exclusive. Right. I'll, maybe, I'll refine that. But cooler? I'll refine yeah. that. Cool. You think you're cooler. Yes. The the, the purchaser now yeah. thinks yeah. Mm-hmm. they're cooler. Yeah. I agree. It, it's an ego stroke ruined is what the it really design is. Yeah. In many cases. And they're mm-hmm. doing this to everything. But... People who need to spend money—it's just staggering. <laughs> and then you know, the- quick, Mansory, nine one one. I have money. I need to spend it. I have an S class. What poor. can you do? Please make it uglier. Oh my god! Thank gosh. you. There yeah. are so many. I mean, I made a list. There's so many. But yes, go look at things. But then find the the gems, like the Mazda CX thirty. Yeah. 
The Mazda CX-30 now exists because the Mazda CX-4, which you would think would be the natural nomenclature, exists only in China and is only sold in China. And so they had to come up with a new nomenclature. I don't really agree with that, but they did. And it's now even more confusing. We cleared things up by making it more confusing. But also, isn't it Japanese culture where the number four is a a bad number, too? Isn't that their number 13? Mm, I think that's I can't verify that. Somebody listening can. But yeah. in China, it's fine. Clearly, it's, in China, it's fine. But I also think that that's that situation too. I know eights I think in that, China are great, but I'm pretty sure that four is a, is is like the Japanese thirteen. Yeah, I think. But anyway, go on. All right. So my favorite car, besides the Aston Martin, is this Matt's new Stratos. Essentially, the rebodied, re mm, remanufactured, okay. reimagined new Stratos. It's the Manifatura Automobili Torino. It's a manufacturer there. They're making twenty five of these. And I'm in love with this thing. It's gorge. Oh, my gosh. It reminds me. Actually, Todd and I had a suggestion. You know how we've been talking about safari vehicles lately and safariizing everything. Mm -hmm. And a suggestion was made to us for a Triumph TR7. Fender flares, big engine. And I thought that could work because Mm -hmm. it's, it's like a poor man's Stratos. Yeah, it is. It has, it, it, that, it has wedge, that look about it. Yep. Feel yep. and totally. shape and proportion, dimensions, totally. the compact size, all of that stuff. And I thought, ooh, that that needs to be that sketched. Could be cool. I, I keep talking about all this work that I need to do. Sketching yeah. that I need to yeah, do. Sketch it out. I'd love to see it for sure. What else? Uh Toyota GR Super GT four just announcing cool, let's make you know, the race series and Nissan, you know, bringing new design language and full electric power, and then Volkswagen still on their diesel apology tour and yes. saying, "Hey, here's the we need to cool make that thing. shirt. It needs to look like a concert shirt, but it's the diesel apology tour <laughs> with, with the cities on the back." Yes, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. Can we sell them for like? I don't know, $55 like they do at concerts? Well, but it should, it, you know what it should be? It should be a list of cars on the back that used to have diesels. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> list that's of all great. the TDIs crossed out. Instead of saying sold out, like no longer sold. Instead of saying sold out, it says no longer sold. <laughs> Speaking anyway, of which, yeah. there's a, a graveyard just outside of Los Angeles that is the parking lot for all these cars. Mm. And I found it because I found this uh, a photographer. He's, he actually, I think, won a National Geographic Award. Mm-hmm. Went up in a small plane and photographed this lot of Audis and Porsches and Volkswagens that were reclaimed, that were taken back in. And you think, well, what happened to those? And it's up in the Lancaster area of near is. the it's airport. where they run out all the planes, too, yeah. They're all parked in a lot. That's where they are. They're bumper just parked right now. Yep. They, they ex- still yep. exist. They're just parked out in the desert. <laughs> it's astounding to me. So, yes, we need to, uh, we need to make the, the Volkswagen World Apology Tour. Anyway. Oh, yeah. I love it. Diesel, what's that? Oh, by the way, one quick thing. We had... We had honestly our, our LA recent LA trip was very much a business trip, and I won't bore you with what was going on. But we didn't go to shoot. I mean, we shot the the Corolla piece mainly there Not for a meetings, regular TV meetings. Shoot. We were trying to do in the fall, but we were just too busy, and so we stacked up a bunch of meetings and we went, and that's mm-hmm. why we were there. Right. So right. it was a little bit of an oddball trip for us. In fact, there were sometimes when Paul and I were actually sitting in the hotel room doing work. Before we went to another meeting, it was very funny. But in the midst of that, uh, it was actually Steve Urban who uh, has listened for a long time. Hi, Steve. Said, "Hey, why don't you guys do a meetup while you're here?" And we kind of looked at each other and went, "Well, yeah, we should." So it was a, the most last minute meetup ever. Right, right. So we didn't know if anybody could come, honestly. 
And a few of you came out, and I just wanted to give a shout-out to Omar and Richard and James and Elliot and also Edgar for coming out and just saying hello and just hanging out for a while. It was so informal. It was so last-minute. Yep. It was yep. raining in L.A., which, by the way, raining in L.A. is all the roads are covered in ice anywhere else. So exactly. if you're if you're going to yeah. brave LA traffic, that's one thing. If you're going to brave LA traffic in a rainstorm, you really want to get somewhere. So thank you for coming out for that. That was cool. And it was just it's always fun, even when it's something informal and small like this, to just sit there and hang out with people and talk about cars and talk about the show and just yeah, that's always very cool. I, yeah, so thank nice you for coming. Connect. Thank you for those of you that couldn't be there and wanted to be. We saw a lot of those interactions. Also, thank you to those that have said, "Hey, our city next. We hear you. We're sorry. <laughs> we, have we can't. Those, yes. Haven't done the tour. We, we need to do our tour. All those. <laughs> all right. those. That shirt with all the names on the back. Anyway, yeah, the U.S. tour, the global tour. All right. Well, onwards to the car purchase updates. First of all, from Ben Grand in Richmond, Virginia, who wrote to us. He. Uh, had his debate, and we're not exactly sure which debate number that is, mm-hmm. but it was the replacement for his Mercedes C250, and it needed to hold golf clubs. And I suggested strapping the clubs to the side of a Mazda MX-5. Problem Miata. solved. Problem solved, yeah. But he found a better alternative that checked almost every <laughs> box. And again, guys, the updates and what you buy, if if you're inspired by hearing our conversation and pretending and, and using it as a a group conversation to kind of distill your yeah, thoughts and yeah, feelings. Yeah. Wonderful. If you get the thing that we suggest, even better. But if you don't, I, I still feel like that's a win. Totally. Just like your car. I mean, it, what we're hoping to to do is help mobilize you to find something that you go, I have to have this, and I want to drive this. And yeah. that's what's happened here with Ben. I, I just love it. He actually said that what he found was a 2017 Ford Mustang EcoBoost. And he went down his own list. He wanted low-end torque. It has it. He wanted it to be comfortable for long-distance drives. It does. He wanted golf clubs and a bag not strapped to the side. Guess what? It fits in the Mustang. That's good news. Uh, low cost of ownership and under twenty grand, if possible. He said just barely. Now, this comes back to when we originally drove the EcoBoost Mustang. We had a pre-production yeah. version. They had a, this is what this is going to cost in the car, and it was like forty-five grand. And we both looked at each other and went, like the car, the it price wasn't is- wasn't that much, was oh, it? Oh, yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, it was. I want to say it was- Thirty-ish, forty-five grand. It may, maybe I don't it, think was, it was forty-five grand. Maybe it was like thirty-eight, but it was it was. Here was the thing: it was, it was high, shockingly it high. It was high enough. Maybe it was. Maybe I'm thinking too high, but it was high thirties at least because it was high enough that we both looked at each other and went, "By this point, you're buying a GT." It had crossed exactly. into GT land, but the, where you get the V8. The point was, you know, the the production cars essentially were okay. They were have to they have were the big a little lower, and, and you don't have to have everything. Yeah. But here's the other thing that happened: yeah. like all of these cars, when they're used, they're suddenly cheaper. And so he found an EcoBoost that's actually pretty well put together and 2017, slightly used, got it for under 20 grand. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. He has a fun transmission, rear wheel drive dynamics. He said the only thing he didn't really get was natural steering feel, but it's better than his Mercedes. So the conclusion here is Ben's quite happy. I love that. He says, how much do I love this car? To quote Jim Gaffigan, dearest Gwendolyn, let me write the... (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Now it's in your head, isn't Uh it? All right. So he's put 12,000 miles on it in less than seven months, 32.5 miles to the gallon on the highway. He said it's the most powerful, quickest car he's ever owned, loves the view at the front of the hood. And he, he just thinks it feels very nimble and fun to drive, That's more cool. so than it otherwise cool. would with a GT or a big Corvette or something like that. So he's uh, he's thrilled with it, and uh, 
just yeah, Ben. Thanks for writing. Thanks for the update. He liked your suggestion to use Corvette. And yeah, I was, was actually decided. You know, C five, C seven, somewhere in there. He's thinking, okay, Pretty maybe cool. down the line. But for now, it's that Mustang, which is awesome. So, Ben, thank you for that. Uh, we also had Andrew write in. Now, Andrew, we can just touch on real quickly. Andrew wrote us a couple of times. <laughs> he found essentially a brand new. The emails are the funniest. They were great. He found a brand new. Honda CRZ. Now, this is the hybrid Honda that we've talked about with a good six-speed manual. Yeah, right, right. He found one of these for ridiculously cheap on a dealer lot. They were trying to get rid of it. And it was so cheap. It was like twelve grand. It was so cheap that he kept kind of wandering back over the dealer and going, do I want this car? Do I need this car for a commuter? And he kept driving it and walking away and driving it and walking away. And then this email comes in. Mm, yeah, he went back to the dealer twice, he said. He drove it again. Each time he came out of the car, he felt like his driving soul was in tears. <laughs> he just couldn't do it. What do you feed your driving soul that's in tears? Do you, like, eat the whole pint of Haagen-Dazs? Like, it's do? all bad. You have to go karting for an entire day to bring it back. Just to yeah, cleanse yeah. yourself. All right. He says, I can't, won't, nope, not going to happen. Says, on the way home from the dealership, he stopped and bought a BMW 135M Sport. <laughs> And his driving soul cried tears of joy as he sped away. That is the Hagen Das answer to his to his soul was trying crying right tears right there. He went and bought a BMW 135M Sport, and he's incredibly happy. So his his conclusion is: if someone wants a cheap CRZ, he can tell you where to go, but uh, clearly not for Andrew. And uh, he's very happy in his one series. And I applaud you. Well done. We have another Andrew Andrew Jackson writing to us from episode 355, so yeah, fairly that's good. recent. Thank you. As of uh, this podcast, 380, and uh, he was he was thinking about uh, well, we went back. Uh, he was thinking about a few things. As a matter of fact, he, he was he had a uh, he had a Miata, and he wanted a commuter to go with his track prep Miata. He was not going to daily this Miata, so he was looking kind of at four doors, and he had kind of landed on, and we liked it. We like it. The E90 M3 four door. Now that is the the generation prior to the one we're, we're finishing now, if that makes any sense. The thirsty one. Yes, with the V8. Very cool. Car we like. Uh, so he wanted that four-door M3, he thought. But I made the comment in, in the uh, podcast that he didn't really need a four-door, but he would kind of landed on four-door sedans, and that was his front runner. So we took that into consideration, and, and you actually called out for him. If he's going to look at that M3, he should drive, and, and I totally agreed. 335 IS BMW, which is mm-hmm. the turbo mm-hmm. one step down, yeah. and also the more recent 228i to get a slightly smaller feel because he didn't have to have four doors, but he was leaning four doors. Right. Those right. are your recommendations. I said, look, if you have a track-prepped Miata, for your uh, for your track car, and you're looking for a fun commuter, he needed to drive both the 86, which would be similar to the Miata in feel, but also the Genesis Coupe because it would be more commute friendly. Mm-hmm. Drive both mm-hmm. of those. And then I said, what about hot hatches? And I told him to drive three things to kind of look at the spectrum, the the GTI, the Focus ST, and the Fiesta ST. So different sizes, different different amounts of hair on fire, different amounts of interior quality. These were the things we listed for Andrew. Yeah, what he ended up getting was a CPO, Certified Paul Loan, 2015 GTI Autobahn with the DSG. Very cool. 33,000 miles, just under the Paul limiter of twenty grand. His cost was 19750 Well done, Andrew. Very cool. I, thrilled that you're loving it. Mm-hmm. And he said, naturally, I christened it with the podcast on his way into work. I love that. I love that. Actually, Andrew sent us a photo 
of the dash, you can see right there it says the Everyday Driver <laughs> Podcast, cool. which is awesome, Andrew. Thanks for that. I'm thrilled that you got that car and you drove some stuff and you wound up with that. Pretty so cool. uh, bravo on that on that purchase. All right. So last one for the car purchase update for this podcast is Tanner Stamey writing from episode 188. So way back, 188. Yeah, a while back, yeah. This was the 5,000 car. $5,000 car. Yeah. And you all know what we've said about $5,000 car. And he does say, I'm loving my Miata. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are spot on. It hasn't been a $5,000 car. He's at least $7,000 into it. So I'm guessing that's purchase price plus whatever you've done into it. I don't think it. he means seven grand on top of his I, five. I hope it's not still, a $12,000 yeah, Miata yeah, yeah, at this exactly, point, yeah. Tanner. Well, I'm thrilled that you're loving it, and uh, apparently he made a snow cana piece on his way into work. <laughs> but when he's he got just, it. He's thrilled. I mean, uh, honestly, to, to wind up, and, and I had this experience with the Mini, to wind up with a car you spend five grand on, even, even when you almost invariably end up spending more than five grand, but you got it cheap, and it just makes you smile. That is a win across the board. And, I, and yeah. I'm not surprised yeah. that the Miata actually checked all those boxes, but I love that you're driving it not only year round, but in the snow. Pretty awesome. And are thrilled. I so wonder if that's part cool. of the cost in there. The 7,000, he's got winter tires. Hopefully you probably, do, Tanner. Probably. He also said that he recently uh, watched the uh, American original Corvette film, and now he kind of wants a Corvette. We agree with you. And that <laughs> yeah. is not a $5,000. Well, actually, if you could get a C4 Depend, for five grand. Depends on the C4. Depends on which one you're getting. Not the ZR1s, anyway. though. Yeah. They're, they're cheap. They're great. But, but they're not um, that cheap. But they're not there. So, yes, if you have an update, same place as the car debate. So, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com yeah, or yeah. the website itself. Under the About tab, you can click Contact and email us there for your updates. And, again, please write to us with the episode number mm-hmm. and a little bit of background about what we suggested and what uh, what you ended up getting. And yeah, that'd be great. Hopefully, it's helpful. It sounds like it is. And to all four of you, thank you very much. This is really, really cool. And I, I love that, you know, it's it's sort of like finally some – some justifications. We can totally. sink our teeth into well, this. Well, and our intention is to do more of these. This this idea of just taking the front half of a podcast and just running through a few at once seems like the way to tackle this. We have gotten a good number of these in. There's a decent backlog of that as well. But there's also a massive backlog of people writing in for car debates. I know. I know. So we're going to take a break real quick, and we'll be back with one for Austin. Our sponsor, Wrangler, has given a slightly different copy for our ad, so we realize there's only one way to handle this. We have to bring back The Voice. Everybody has a favorite pair of jeans, the pair that fits perfectly and always looks great, the pair you wear out at night, at home, on the couch, at work, wherever. They're the go-to, and you can't underestimate their importance. No one knows this better than Wrangler, the authority on jeans. Using their expertise in comfort and durability, Wrangler jeans are made for the adventurers, the go-getters, the folks who like to keep moving, whether you ride a bike, a bronc, a skateboard, or even drive a car. You could be a person that just wanders the earth looking for we're not sure what. These are still the jeans for you. Classic or modern styles. A range of fits. Even vintage re-releases with a price that works for you. Wrangler has something for everybody. Visit Wrangler.com and check out their great selection of jeans, shirts, pants, outerwear for men and for women. New styles, great fits. Wrangler. Real, comfortable jeans. That was proper. Yeah. Austin in Houston. He's uh, wait. What? I'm confused. Where are we going? I, I know. What's the, I the, know. Na- the nav system's completely confused right now. <laughs> exactly. I want to go to Austin in Houston. Wait. What? Houston? In, forget it. Anyway, he is writing to us from the suburb of Katy. Yeah. Do you know where that is? Yeah, by the the way? west side. West See, I don't side. know Houston See, at all. Okay, when I lived in Houston, which was like when dinosaurs roamed the earth at this point. No, seriously, it <laughs> no. was it was more than twenty years ago. When I lived in Houston, 
Uh, Katy was that suburb you moved to because the houses were really cheap, but you went through a section of nothing to get there. Now Katy's just West Houston. I mean, <laughs> I it's just say. we just arrived in Katy. You know, that's <laughs> what's going on now. Yeah, awesome. All right, so Austin is writing to us with the family holler edition. He and his wife are getting ready to start trying for child number two, and they're look, looking to upgrade one of their cars to something a little more family oriented. Essentially, they're looking for a family car. They have one child already, two years old, and an American Foxhound mix that is about 70 pounds. And he said, dog's pretty lean, so he's probably medium to large size. And then they're going to start trying for kid number two in the next few months. So they're looking for something that has the rear cargo area with a dog mat from Covercraft. Yes, completely. (laughs) And is dog friendly because, you know, you're going to need it. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you'll benefit dramatically from this. He and his wife both currently drive Hyundai sedans. She's got the 2014 Elantra, and he's in a 2011 Sonata. They've got the all-Hyundai garage. Yay! But, but to his credit, to Austin's credit, they didn't set out to buy all Hyundais. His <laughs> wife had one, and then he had, when, right around the time... Life goals. The, the, right all-Hyundai garage. Right when they... Hey, they don't think they make bad cars. It's just we don't want you all in the same... Anyway, moving on. Uh, right about the time he and his wife uh, started dating, he had a 2009 Volkswagen Jetta that was dying, and his future father-in-law was going to sell his Sonata... And so it worked out that Austin, uh, Austin was able to buy that. And, and his father, up. or his father-in-law, got the EcoBoost Mustang. Yeah, exactly. It all, it all, it all connects. But, <laughs> but that's why they wound up in two Hyundais. And they've enjoyed them. But the big discussion is that, okay, we want to get a family vehicle which read either really nice wagon or probably an SUV. And his wife says that eventually she thinks a three-row vehicle makes sense. But they're not there yet. So part of this debate is Austin going, should we just go ahead and get the three-row? This is interesting. Yeah, she wants the three-row for when the kids are older and they're hauling their friends around too. Mm -hmm. But at this point, kid number two has not even been conceived yet. So we're at least five to eight years out before this even happens. There's there's some leeway time. You I'm might gonna, get tired of this. I'm going to stop right here. Why do we need to get the Suburban now? I'm going to stop right here because you have hit on the point. <laughs> Look, I'm going to do – I'm not good confused. at math, but I'm going to do a little parrot math here real quick, Austin, just just so you Is know. Is that like everyday driver if, car math? It, it's it's kind of like that. It's okay. it's fuzzy math for sure. But here, yeah. here's the thing, Austin. If if you guys get pregnant, I'm just, just – look, I am no doctor and I am not good at math. <laughs> but I did stay at a Holiday Inn but Express Exactly. But if you guys get pregnant the week this podcast comes out – <laughs> You're nine months from having kid number two. Soccer practice is still a ways away. T-ball exactly. And, is and still then, a ways out. And then you're even farther out from the kids are old enough that they have friends that you need to take anywhere. That's another year or two or three out from that scenario. So my yeah. my thinking here is, and you already touched on it, Paul. I suspect you may be three to four years from needing more than five seats. I mean needing. Like, we actually have to take extra people. The only argument you could make here is, my in-laws came into town. Well, now you need more than five seats. Because I've had this experience. True. But how often do they come into town? How often is that an issue? I, I think what you do is you get a car that meets your needs your your immediate needs or your or your kind of immediate future needs, which mm-hmm. is probably a five seat either nice wagon or a small SUV, and then when you get to a place where you're like we really are outgrowing this car, that's years from now. Trade up then because the the the, the other version is you keep this new three row for th- next three four years, putting miles on it while other three rows come out, right? 
And then what do you do? You're going to drive that one into the ground? You're going to try to get another three row? Let's just let's move exactly. it incremental. Let's be incremental, Austin. <laughs> let's not overwhelm. Trust me, parenting is overwhelming enough. And, and I realize you already have a child, but parenting is overwhelming enough. You've got you're talking about two kids and dog owners. Let's just not let's not move as a huge move. Look, playing just you know as a maybe they're long term planners and okay. they're just thinking this is going to be the really long term and let's just get this done. We're going to buy one couch for the rest of our lives. That's the couch. This is our couch. That's our TV. We're done. I've checked. Thank you for playing. Check the box off. We got it. We don't have to do anything more. Things change, obviously. We're kidding you. But obviously things change. Life changes. And Todd's right. The BMW X7 is going to be right in your price range when you're ready for it. <laughs> just saying. You're going to want those Use giant kidney for everyone. grills. Yeah. Oh, man. So actually, just talking about that with my attorney today is you went and drove one in Florida oh, with man. His, his father-in-law who was looking for one. And I get it for a big family. Yes, they're great, but, you know, crystal oh, gear shift lever and everything. Those are coming, used at us at some point. I, um, I'm curious about this because right now she doesn't have a big commute. She's got a short commute and working from home two days a week. Mm-hmm. His current commute is roughly 110 miles a day, so something large for him wouldn't be a good idea. Yeah. But what I did notice in here is this kind of sneaky thing that he's saying, I want to go ahead and just take care of this now so the next car we buy will be for me. I see that. He slid that in there. I see Did that. You notice that? Yes, but but this is going to be an ongoing discussion because here's the here's the thing. Yes. If you're thinking, Austin, and I say this as a guy that fights this battle, I mean, thankfully, my, my wife is, I'm winning at this right now, but this is the discussion, though. If, if you think, oh, I'll get the big car now because she's going to let me get a tiny car later, there's a discussion coming anyway. <laughs> it's still coming if at you. you. Have, yeah. If you have two yeah. kids and a dog and you want to go buy yourself a two-seat car, I look, I'm the poster child for that can work. I don't have two kids, but I do have two dogs now. Anyway, right. but I'm the poster child right. for this can work, but there's a discussion about how do we make this work, and you will not – kind of sidestep that discussion by getting the big three row currently. I also think you're going to have to get something your wife wants to drive because I agree if you get something big, you're going to get killed on gas mileage if you do the commute in it. So it's going to have to be her daily car. And does she want three rows yet? Here, he says she she's okay not getting the three row quite yet. Agreed. I know. I know. He likes the Jag F-Pace and Volvo. Those were on my minds, but mm-hmm. he's scared of general European maintenance in, you know, across the board. The thoroughbred problem. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. He was actually sniffing around the Buick Cross Tour, but he heard that it's not really engaging to drive. We have not gotten in that, and it actually would be kind of a cool fast blast. I agree. We should that drive that. That would be kind that. of interesting. But I, will, I, I would also argue, though, that once you start shopping SUVs, fun to drive starts dying quickly anyway. <laughs> it just does. As soon as you say the word, not three row, but three row, three row, it starts to die. That's true. Not but, SUVs, but just three rows. Yeah. We're, we're like that's the shutoff point right yeah, there. Yeah, it, it's it's much harder at three row. You're right. Well, he says he's coming out of a Sonata, so anything with more power is probably going to be fun. But we're shopping for her. Mm-hmm. He says Mazda just needs to bring the Mazda six wagon to the states. I agree. Which yeah, kind of got me thinking. Okay, good. I started out with Expedition and Suburban thinking. Okay. They're enormous. They're gas hogs. Not only are they three rows, but they are three rows, and you you need an intercom to reach the back seat. (laughs) Here's the radios for our trip, kids. I know we're just going to the grocery store, which is 2.3 miles away, but 
Take your radios because we need to yeah. communicate. Or just text me. No, don't text. Don't <laughs> text, text the driver. Don't text You've the driver. You've the toddler the... in the back trying to text the parent who's driving at the front. This is a disaster. The toddler will be able to text you. The, the, the toddler will figure it out for yes, sure. Yeah, it is that intuitive. All right, so I, I started there just general thinking. I started in the Honda Pilot, Acura MDX land. Interesting. I also want you to really take a close look at the brand new Kia Telluride. Oh, it starts at 318. Okay. Seven or eight passenger seating. And I know yeah, here's yeah. why it's appealing is because you're Hyundai people already. Okay. Yeah. This keeps you in the same family, the mm-hmm. same good warranty and reliability that they're known for now. Mm-hmm. It's brand new. It's like I said, seven or eight passengers. Mm-hmm. They're going to kill it with this, with this SUV. Yeah. I like the looks. I think yeah. it's going to be, it's clean enough to be. Long term for what we're talking about five, six, eight, nine, yeah. ten years. Yeah, yeah. Nine year olds getting with muddy shoes after soccer practice in the rain. I mean, mm-hmm. that's coming, but you could theoretically have it that long. I'm mm-hmm. confident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you said wagon, I went, huh. What can we do here? What can okay, we do? Good. Now, good, good. this is wild of the wild cards because it is European. Okay. But what if your wife were rocking a 2016 Mercedes E350 4Matic wagon for 35 grand? Oh, those are awesome. 35 Under, grand is the top of his is the top, top of the pole limiter and you've still made that work. I'm impressed. Those Under are cool. 50,000 miles, so will they go to 150? Sure. Will you pay maintenance? Sure. Yes. <laughs> is it a Mercedes? Is it a you know European car? But the solid feeling. I like the styling. Yeah. I like the Mercedes yeah, yeah, yeah. wagons. They're unique, and there's still more driving feel in that seven-seater wagon because it has the cool rear two-facing Interesting seats. Interesting point. All right. All right. And how cool will she be? When she rolls up, she's got genuine seven seats, and the kids are going to fight over who gets the two rear-facing the jump seats. The rumble seats? That's funny. That's very funny. I okay. guarantee you they will fight because how cool is that? Yeah, you get to look out the back. And invariably, the kids wave at the cubicle behind them. Yeah. What's interesting, though, is I'm with you on the wagons because – and this is my general headspace. I'm, I'm like 49% serious on the Mercedes wagon. It's very much a wild card. I realize mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still in contention because – Normally, it's a sedan with, hey, it's got a backpack on the back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you don't have to use those seats. It's got a lot of nice cargo space for the dog that you're talking about. And the best part is it's not an SUV. And it's yeah. still got some driving goodness that seven-passenger, three-row SUVs will never have. Yeah, yeah, I see So it. this I is my it. headspace. It's hard to find anything other than the Mercedes wagon for the seven-seat capability. That's the problem. Yes, because they're all five-seaters. They're all five. You, you go wagons, BMW, you go five. Jag, you go anything else. Yeah, I mean, you five. have the Volvo, but then that's not – the Volvo seven-seat wagons are Mercedes not really known is unique for their drivability in that, in in that, that sense. Yeah. Okay. You know, thinking of seven-seaters, you, all of you are probably thinking original Model S with those two rear-facing jump sure, seats. Sure, sure. They're just not thirty-five grand yet. Yes, that's true. That's, that's the true. problem with those. So I love the wagon idea. This is why they're so they work so well because as your family grows, Mercedes thinks, "Well, we've got you covered." Yeah. And you definitely can look at Mercedes as your long-term car. You just will be maintaining it and taking care of it. Mm-hmm. If you're fine with that, it's going to be a better drive and she's going to like rocking the Mercedes. Just saying. But if you if that doesn't matter, if none of that matters, look at the Telluride. Okay. I like I like your suggestions. I have uh, a few, and they're all over the map. Okay, 
Uh, one of the cars that actually Austin brought up that is compelling here, he's talking about the seven-seaters, which I don't, again, I don't think you need that yet, but let's let's talk about it anyway. The, <laughs> the Mazda, kids aren't here. The Mazda, Quick, we need to buy a Suburban. Yeah, the, the Mazda CX-9. Okay. Yeah. Compelling. We have some coverage of that coming up. So, so I see, I see that. But that that led me to some discussions. As did your wagon stuff. I do want to say this is almost a wild card. This is one of those cars for me that is simultaneously a wild card and a sniper shot. Because if I was just picking a car for you, Austin, it'd be like, did you know these are this cheap? And we're done. Yeah. But yeah. but I don't know that that this car I'm about to bring up. I don't know that your wife is going to want it. But believe it or not, there are a few in your price range. Really? Okay. Cadillac CTSV wagon. Really? You there went wagon too. Few, there are a few hovering around thirty-five grand. We saw two of these in LA when we were there. Well, you see, you'll see a bunch of anything. Yes, true. Playing slug so, bug with Tesla Model Three. Yeah, look, it, this has yeah. got this has got a big old six-liter engine under the hood, and it's fast and it's it's mm. mean and. It's awesome. Let's be honest. Now, a lot of them out there are forty-five to fifty grand used, but they are, there are some in your price point. I've actually got a couple in front of me here, and uh, one of them's thirty-three, and the other one's thirty-seven, and they are ranging between about sixty and eighty thousand miles. Hmm. Hmm. So that I, I think it's more wild card. If you were just shopping, let's get a hot wagon done. You're in Austin. You're not going to worry about weather. It's rear-wheel drive. It's fun. Let's do that for the family car. Mm-hmm. The dog mm-hmm. is trying to hang on desperately in the back. I mean, I like this picture. Anyway. <laughs> All four legs. Seriously. It's, trapped it's, like it's, load locks. It's trying blade to- <laughs> trying to hang on because <laughs> yeah. it, we're, we're taking off. Yeah, dad's going. Anyway. Dog so I, knows. I, I did think about that. So there, there is that. Uh, you need to drive a Cayenne, a used Cayenne. Mm. Yeah, because that's good. That's good. Uh, yes, when it has maintenance, and I say this as an owner, when it has maintenance, the maintenance can get expensive, especially at the forty thousand mile in- intervals. However, they generally just run, and they are yeah, five true. usable seats and good space. If you get the first gen, is going to be the cheap one, and the first gen is larger than the second gen. And you can get an S for thirty five grand. Oh, you can get a nice S for yeah. thirty five grand. Yeah. You can get a you can almost get a second gen S for thirty five grand. So you're gonna have you know you know you what. Could, if he just went with the V6, he could get even newer, probably. If yeah. he didn't need the S mm-hmm. and just, I mean, there's, there's still 300 horsepower. Yeah, totally. Got totally. a great so V6 in him. I think you should go drive a Cayenne, and that, that's a worthwhile five-seater. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I'm here, you brought up Mazda CX-9. I don't think you need it yet. Go yeah. shop the Mazda CX-5. It is every bit Good. as big as the Cayenne or maybe a little bigger. Actually, I think it is bigger than the current-gen Cayenne, but not, but about the same size as the Cayenne I have. Five? You it's, think it's bigger? It's surprising. Well, because the problem is when they went to the second-gen Cayenne, they have an even more raked back hatch, and you lost hatch space. Hmm. Hmm. So yeah. okay. drive the CX-5. Okay. I think you'll be surprised by how good that is for the money. And uh, and I think you're just going to like the interior and the space and everything. And it's a yes, it's a five seater. And then if we have to go seven, you could. I liked your Telluride, by the way. But you have you could actually look at a brand new Volkswagen Atlas. They're selling for your money. They're selling brand new Are now. Thirty five. I thought they started at thirty five and went up from there. Well, but there's been all kinds of incentives. I have heard of multiple people that have bought them for thirty five or less. New ones. Okay. And okay. look, we're talking about how long this car may be in your life. This is the Volkswagen Apology Tour. Seven years, 72,000 miles of warranty. Keep the car five years. Hmm. Have your wife drive it so it doesn't get, rack up a ton of miles. You stay within warranty. There's probably a Volkswagen dealer in Katy. Anything happens, you drive it in and go fix that. <laughs> 
Get a loaner car. <laughs> Problem solved. What sort of music goes along with the apology tour? Is that Rammstein I, or I don't know something like I don't you know, know hard really. No, it's it's got it's got to be it's got to be plinky plunky music. It's got to be stuff uh, that makes yeah. you feel very relaxed. Everybody <laughs> relax. We're on the apology tour. Yeah, true. Yeah, there's that. All right. Well, thanks for writing to us, Austin. Really appreciate it. Hope it's helpful. And you know what? I hope this debate is helpful to a lot of you guys listening, mm-hmm. the families out there. Mm-hmm. Hope this just kind of resonates and gets you thinking. In fact, hang on. That gives me a great question to jump to. Okay. Because of two things. Uh, our friend Shane, longtime friend of the show, wrote in asking about family, fun family three-row C, uh, SUVs. I want to talk about his question, and I also want to touch on a car that we just got from the press fleet. Yeah, that right. I'm driving. I haven't Shane's, even been in this car yet. I know. Shane's question is, okay, hang on. Uh, would we sacrifice and drive the family three-row, three-row SUV every day in order to still have a dedicated sports car? Would we make that sacrifice? Hmm. And and Shane, I think you're asking a separate question as well, and so I want to stop here really quickly and give a disclaimer. As you've probably heard, if you listen to the show for more than five minutes, we want you to be in a car that you love. We want you to be in a car Absolutely. that is fun to drive and you enjoy driving and you look back at it in the parking lot and all those kind of things. However, the other thing about the everyday driver part of this show is it has to meet your needs. Life changes. Stuff happens. If you wind up in a unfun to drive utility car for some reason this makes you no less an enthusiast very this true. is not no, a th- blow to no, who you are as a car yes, lover yes. you may go through a season i've been through these seasons where it's like that's my garage all right well that's just that, that's the budget and that's yeah. the stuff that fell into my life and that's the stuff i'm driving i don't love it and i want to have that but i can't right now Absolutely. So, so Absolutely. Shane, there, there's no apology necessary here, and it, it is no blow to anybody. If you don't have a car, if you have a car that's not an enthusiast car, welcome. Everyone is welcome here. Okay. Absolutely. So I wanted to yep. make sure that was stated. Yeah, thank you if for you, restating that. If you have a family three-row SUV, and in order for you to keep a fun car in your life, Shane, that means that becomes your daily, and the fun car becomes an every once-in-a-while car. I say this to you, Shane, there's nothing wrong with that as long as the fun car gets driven. If the fun car just sits for the... Well, I need to get that out someday. I have it to check the box. We or need, I have we it need to, to figure out how to solve the three-row SUV problem to make it more interesting. Yeah. And that leads me to this. We have, a, we have a Acura MDX right now. I have not driven an MDX in years. This is a brand new MDX. This is our, our most recent press car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm pleasantly surprised because it is a full three-row seven-seat SUV. See him around Park and City a really lot. And it really isn't much bigger than it may be the same size. I haven't actually looked up the stats. But it's about the same size as my wife's Cayenne. It's not huge. And I'm amazed they got three seats out of it. Now, three rows out of it. Now, the way they did that, of course, is with the third row up, uh, Fiesta STs have the same amount of rear cargo space. Right, I was it say. has very little cargo space. But, but how often do you need the third row? And here was the thing. I was driving it earlier today. Now, granted, it's loaded out at fifty six grand. It's not cheap. But I was driving it earlier today, and I put my foot in it, and it went, oh, I was like, where did that engine noise come from? Well, it is it the A-spec a, package. Yes, it's got and it's fully, got their, fully, fully It's loaded. got their big V6 in it, but it's yeah, got a good yeah. exhaust note. Who thinks about an exhaust note on a seven-seat SUV? They did. It's got this big, growly exhaust note, like it's doing something. And it's, awesome. Not, awesome. And it's not floppy. A lot of big seven-seat SUVs just feel loose and floppy on their suspension, and this isn't. Oh, absolutely. 
many cases, their trucks. Is this now? Is this a? I'm buying it for the driving fun. No, but you have to change your perspective. But if you wind up in something that has that capability and then still surprises you with its dynamics, that's a win as well. Very cool. Can't wait to drive it. All right, jump into Facebook. Question from Scott Berger. We all know car manufacturers make cars in large quantities to keep costs low and consistency high. Yes, 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 yes. This takes tooling machinery, a lot of effort, and a lot of people. What about concepts and one-offs? We haven't talked about this yet. Mm, okay. How are they made? Who makes them? And is it done by machine, hand, or both? Excellent. Concepts. Doing this. this is interesting, Scott. Thank you for the excellent question. Many car companies make their own. GM, Ford, FCA, BMW, Mercedes, they've all got model shops, and they refer to it as such, the shop, the model shop. Mm -hmm. And they're constantly building and working with the designers and engineering to validate parts of the project as the project progresses. They're constantly going back and forth. The amount of work these guys produce in just building things, carving foam, mocking stuff up, welding stuff is staggering, actually. But then when it does come time for concepts, they will build the entire thing in-house. Many of them do. Mm -hmm. But there's still so much work as evidenced by our Geneva discussion. Yeah, there's still yeah, so yeah. much work that there's many companies that will take on special projects, secret projects, and help car companies produce all the one-offs. A lot of times, the concept is designed and built after the production car is done. It's in tooling, it's at the factory, it's going nuts, and then the designers get to work on the concept car and kind of turn it into the thing they wanted the production car to be like, or it's the car that will pull the public in and say, that's the concept, I can't wait for the production. Here it yeah, is, it's coming yeah. shortly. So, mostly by hand. Mostly tube frames, they're welded up because they don't have a mm -hmm, chassis to work mm -hmm. with. They're not going to build off of that. A lot of companies are actually have rolling electric skateboard platforms already with mm. electric motors. They don't have the range. They might have the similar power that a production car has, but they will build them and they can shorten them or lengthen them. And then they can just build that right on top of that foundation. Mm. And they can, t they can say, we've truly got a rolling electric car. And that is yeah, proliferating yeah. the companies in China. But I do want to leave you with a list of companies that do make these. And if you're interested, you can go look these up. A lot of them are in Italy, as a matter of fact. Italy has a huge business yeah. just for concept yeah, yeah. cars, and there's a big price difference between the static show model and the car that actually drives and runs. Oh, yeah, big time. And because the car companies will say, ooh, this is just a one-off. Mm -hmm. Please don't sit there. Don't sit like this. Just perch on the <laughs> edge of don't that. Don't breathe on it. Don't get near it. You're limited yeah. to 25 miles an hour, and you can go around once. Yeah, exactly. That's all you get. Yeah, totally. It's because the cars are just, they're chewing gum and bisquick. And <laughs> they're model kits. Yeah. Paper clips, you know, barely <laughs> yeah, there. Totally. And they cost three or four million a piece. Well, you're paying for people's time to build them. So ASC, RM Corp, Roush Industries, interestingly, mm -hmm. Magda and Magna Steyr, Metal Crafters in California that is run by the Gafoglio family, a company called Venture Industries, Special Projects, Ital Design, mm -hmm. Fioravanti, mm -hmm. another Chinese company called East One, there's Technicon Design Worldwide, Bertoni was recently acquired by AKKA Technologies, Crozzeria Touring Superleggera, <laughs> which is done. the company that Nicely builds done. the Aston or the Alfa Romeo Disco Volante. Ooh. Oh, God. That's, that's a, a company car. that built those one-offs. And finally, a company called CECOMP.IT. They're based in Torino, Italy. Hmm. And they made all the titanium metalwork, the titanium body panels for the Volcano. That is Vias in Victor, designed by actually a classmate of mine, Samuel yeah, yeah, Shafar. Yeah. He had the craziest stuff. And so they 
tortured titanium into his crazy shape built on top of a Ferrari F12. Yeah, craziness. There, and that is a tiny list of car car yeah, companies. especially just, companies doing that. Yeah, for the sure. The people you don't hear about, there's a huge industry growing in Europe, huge in Italy, and it's incredible in China. But there's all kinds of these companies, and that's why we see such proliferation of cars. It's such a huge industry, and the behind-the-scenes stuff is so cool. Crazy, crazy, crazy. I'm going to do a uh, an unintended uh, shout-out here because of Tim Marsh's question on Instagram. He says, okay, what are good car shipping companies for shipping a car across the country? Oh, yeah. Now, the minute you give your number to any of these, go back and listen <laughs> to the, the, the update I gave about buying my Lancer and how you just get descended upon by vultures because what really happens is the minute you start putting your information in, you're getting approached by dispatchers. You're not getting approached by people with trucks. You're getting approached by dispatchers. I went through a few dispatchers. I wound up on one I'm going to tell you right now. Reach out to Ironclad Transport. Talk to Joanna. Nice. She was fantastically awesome and nuts at the same time. <laughs> Tell her that the crazy guy with the Mitsubishi Lancer in the dead center of Wisconsin sent you. Okay? She was great. Now, all of these, you can read good and bad reviews. Of course. But Joanna, actually, she exceeded what I asked for. Nice. Both in price and in the kind of transport I got. And uh, she was very open about how it all worked. So I would say look into that. Uh, there are a million. I'm not saying that's the only one. There are plenty of others. You can go into the big companies like Reliable and spend a ton of money. That's oh, how yeah. stuff gets to gets to Monterey every year. But yeah, you're exactly. shipping one car, and you can have your options. And so give her a call. It sounds like she'll contract to whomever will, you know, whomever's available and pick stuff up, and she knows the ins and outs. She and told me all great. about it. It all goes on a big board, apparently, and all the truckers start looking at it. So there Very you go. Very cool. Okay, really awesome question from Chris Quick on Facebook. Okay. He's read a couple of articles recently stating that rideshare services like Uber and Lyft are killing new car sales. The argument used by the writer that these services are drastically reducing the cost of travel expenses, cutting out car ownership expenses. Mm. Of course, there's the usual autonomous driving vehicles clause saying the costs are going down. But what impact do we think the ride-sharing services are having on new car sales? I think minimal, to be honest. There's two reasons. There's, first of all, many people are trying this business of buying new cars with the intention of, you know, this is now my business, so I need mm -hmm. a, a brand new car. Yeah. yeah We've yeah. all gotten the Uber or Lyft with a, you know, the Toyota Camry that has the nasty stained rear the, seats the that you want to perch on. Car. Yeah, yeah. But many people want to have the five-star rating, and so they're buying new mm -hmm. cars. Yeah. And, Part, this is their business. It's and a they're buying SUVs because they want space to well, do that. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So there is that. But then I just – I think the ownership, the, the wanting ownership of our own car is never going to go away. I, I think it will get smaller, but I don't Maybe, think it goes but away but how much – I don't think it's going to shrink dramatically. Mm, mm. I, I still think the idea of having the thing that we own that takes us from A to B exactly when I want to go mm. – isn't really ever going to go away. It's it's still a part of what we want. Cars are such a status symbol. Let's forget the usefulness of yeah. cars. Yeah. That if if cars weren't a status symbol, we could theoretically drive our cars forever. Mm -hmm. Then our debate yeah. for Austin, yes, you can buy the suburban now yeah. and keep it till you die mm -hmm. and we're good. Yeah, you're right. But but I think I I think it theoretically now 
if when we actually get to autonomous pods, there is a large segment of the populace, not saying a majority, but a large segment of the populace, who doesn't even want to be bothered. And if they can get somewhere by the – because then they get the benefits. They don't want to drive. Mm -hmm. So they get Mm -hmm. the benefits of private transportation with none of the hassles of actually owning anything. And there is a segment of that population that will embrace that fully – and it's true. It'll I be agree a with subscription that. thing. It depends but on I where think, you live, though. But I th- it'll depend on where you live. It'll depend on what you think about cars in general. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, like, I, I hope my son will be a person who's like, I, it's time I can get my driver's license. I'm going to go get it. But if, if we <laughs> yeah. lived in Manhattan, he'd probably never even think twice about it. Yeah. Very, so it's going to be all of this is going to be a factor. It's very interesting. Very true. All right. Uh, what else? Uh, you know what? Sherg 4 on Instagram asked an interesting question nobody's ever asked. He said he's noticed that – oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll go with that one. I'll come back to another one in a minute. Uh, he said, we also often mention driving games and simulations for practice. And oh, yeah, that, that right. That be helpful. Right. This was not the question I thought it was, but I'm going to do this one anyway. Uh, that it can be tra- helpful for track days. What do we recommend? What do we like? Look, I have a PS4. I have got most of – I've actually tried almost every driving game you can try for PS4. I'm not going to go into a big review thing, but some are better than others. Uh, some are more frustrating than others. Some are actually more video games than they are simulations. I prefer the simulation ones. Uh, Assetto Corso is awesome, and so is Project Cars 2 right now. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend a wheel and a seat. It completely changes your ability to do the games and to get, honestly, to get any benefit out of it as a driver, you have to have a wheel and a seat. But all of that thrown out for a second. If you really want, if you're chasing the best, you have to be PC based and VR. And yeah. unfortunately, yeah. to this point, the PlayStation isn't heavy-duty enough and dedicated enough that, like, Project Cars 2 is a great example. You can do VR on PC in Project Cars 2, but you can't do VR on PS4 yep. on Project Cars 2. Yep. I would. That's the only reason I want a dedicated PC, but that's just the money's going elsewhere. Everybody needs all the consoles and all the games. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And the wheel and the pedals make all the difference. Sure. The controllers. No, the, the wheel and the pedals. That is seri- in all seriousness. Even if you're doing PS4 or Xbox, you need the wheel and the pedals. If you, if you want to use it as a simulation, you have to have it. Design questions. I've got a, about three or four here I want to get through really Great. quickly. J.R. Schultz on Instagram. Thoughts on the 2020 Sonata design? I dig it. I do too. I really like what Hyundai is doing. They're... They're using lighting technology to change the look of the car different than the shape of the headlights and taillights, the graphics. Mm -hmm. So at night, it actually takes on a different persona. I like it a lot. Cool. Simple, clean surfaces. It's got a bit of a Civic light kind of taillight look on the back, which a little bit much for me on that one. But in general, I like what the surface break was doing. They're finding new things, and they're actually kind of kicking other car makers in the teeth, which is cool. Love it. Uh, all right. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, Kevin Strange on Facebook. Why do designers keep sticking iPads on top of dashboards and calling it a day? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it has a lot to do with manufacturing because of mm-hmm. more material breakup and more actual part breakup. Mm-hmm. We've gone through the early 2000s era of having the the screen embedded as part of the dash. There are cars that still do that to this day, but as a design language, it does make sense to isolate the shape of the screen from the theme of the dash. Mm. Now you're left with how creative are you in putting it somewhere? Some cars accomplish this a lot better than others. And I would love it if car companies actually thought of and would support 
future upgrades. We'll pop that screen out and give you the new upgrade. So, hey, you if bought the used whatever, and yeah. hey, just paid 99 bucks, and you get the new screen from the new car? If the screen's going to stick up okay. like that, it should be interchangeable. I totally agree with that. I don't think manufacturers are going to go that they're far not, to replace not, it. Yeah. Or let's actually go partner with a tablet manufacturer. It's mm-hmm. Amazon or an iPad or whatever, and now that screen because Plugs we in. can plug yeah. in the next yeah, one. Yeah, let's do that. Go embrace that and stop trying to make your own screen. Stop mm-hmm. trying to design and make mm-hmm. and all that stuff. We're, we all, you know, well, not we all, but a lot of people have tablets already. Mm-hmm. This, you know, maybe you get a free tablet with the purchase of the car. I think that's one of the reasons this design proliferates is we're used to having the phone or the tablet kind of sticking up in our view anyway. So I think they kind of have gotten lazy and just embrace that. Uh, Charlie K NYC had a question about the TV show and the way we produce something that nobody's ever asked. Mm. So I wanted to talk about this real quick. He said, he's noticed TV show, YouTube, fast blasts, feature films. We don't use much voiceover. And he's, when he watches Top Gear, noticed. Top Gear, Motor Week, most other car shows lean on voiceover why have we made this decision? Uh, here's the answer, Charlie. Honestly, uh, voiceover can be used very, very well. And it has sure. been used very, very well. Sure. And the Top Gear guys, actually, when they were doing the, the current three guys that are on Grand Tour, when they were in their later years of Top Gear UK, used it very well because they would start a sentence in the car finish the sentence in voiceover. That takes sure. a ton of pre-planning, sure. and when done right, can be very, very cool. That's not the majority of the way it gets used, though. The way it gets used most of the time is as a crutch. Mm-hmm. The person didn't actually say what we needed them to say. They need to say this. Let's put them in the booth, and they'll say it. This comes from a lot of things, but it comes from my background in film, where when you get the actor in, to do ADR, additional dialogue recording, because there was a fan on in the background and it mangled your line on set. The read's never as good. It's cleaner, sure. but it's never as good. And it sounds and so different. It sounds strange. The breathlessness that exists by getting it on the day, in the moment, when you and I are in the car, <laughs> that actually plays so much more visceral and real than any time we voice over anything. And I'll give you two examples, one from our show and one from film. When Tom first started working for us, now Tom's working in a second language. Okay, True. he's German. He's and working in kudos English. Kudos to him for that. He wanted to do a lot of voiceover, and I said, "Throw it all out." And he he was horrified, and I said, "Throw it all out. If you don't get it in the car, you don't get it." I gave him that line in the sand, <laughs> and he was horrified. And he was like, "Ever?" And I was yeah. like, "That's my challenge to you. Get it in the car, in the seat." And so the first piece he ever did for us—I'm not kidding—was a ten-minute piece. He did four hours of recording. Because he had to he sort was through that much so, footage. Because he was so horrified, yeah. he wouldn't have said something he needed. And then he got better about it over time. And we've used voiceover. You and I have used voiceover. Of course. Tom's used voiceover. Of course. But I try to use it as an absolute stopgap of we physically don't have that. And I have to connect these two pieces and I need this sentence because I want that visceral mm-hmm. feel. Mm-hmm. I will give you one real quick Hollywood story. Okay. All from right. Lord of the Rings. All right. Good. Go watch the first Lord of the Rings movie. They fight the cave troll underground in the in the area of the dwarves they're in the underground mine and and the and the orcs come in with a cave troll okay it's a it's an ama- it's a great battle scene it's a fantastic battle scene right. i watched it recently and it's still awesome all right sean bean 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. Runs to the door and puts the big bar in the door. Now, the line is he looks out and almost gets hit by an arrow, and he sees the cave troll, and the line is he turns around. I've seen it in the original. He turns around breathless. You can barely understand him because he's so in the moment. And he goes, they've got a cave troll because he's horrified that this thing is coming. Okay. That's not the way it is in the final film because it was so mangled with rustling of clothing and him being so breathless and everything else going on in the mix, you couldn't understand it. Hmm. So they hmm. ADR'd it. Okay. The ADR line sounds like he's sipping a martini. Oh, no. They have a cave troll. But they did it because you can hear it and because it's the first time you've heard what that creature is that's coming. If you listen to it having never heard this story, it will never bother you. I've now ruined it for you. I'm sorry. But, but the ADR <laughs> line was not one quarter as good as the original, but the original was so breathless in the moment you didn't get there. But nobody could have figured it out or understood that's it. Like, they were now, concerned what did he say because, keep watching. Because that line from him was the reveal moment of what that sound was you heard yelling. You needed to right, have somebody right. in the room, movie-making-wise, tell you what that terrible noise was before you saw it. You need to introduce that character. Somebody needed to say, hey, there's a cave troll coming. So it was Sean, Sean Bean's line, <laughs> they've got a cave troll. But it was so mangled in the moment that it was now ADR of, they have a cave troll. <laughs> so Gwendolyn, they have a cave troll. Less, less VO. Funny. I'm glad you pointed that out. And uh, excellent question. All right. A few more here. A question from Ivana Prison on Instagram. What material or design aspects do you look for in a car if you find interior rattles and squeaks annoying? (laughs) There's no way to look at something and say that will rattle like crazy or that won't. It's Mm -hmm. difficult to do that. It's very hard. But I hear what you're saying. And generally speaking, you could look at interiors that are more complex and have more Mm. part breakups. So think of the more parts you have to screw together and fasten together, the more chance they're going to want to come apart over time. Sure. If they're single slabs of things, one large piece of plastic that Mm. meets one other large piece of plastic. Now there's no guarantee that that joint is not going to squeak and rattle. Sure. Unfortunately, but this is, it depends on the price of the car, honestly. That's another big factor. Big I mean, factor. honestly, the, the high-end cars, if there are squeaks and rattles, they're going to be hearing about it from you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, Porsches are amazing, but there are still squeaks in my GTS. Sure, sure, in, sure. In inexplicable places, but it's just where the inside of the C-pillar meets just a, a little panel. And when you're mm-hmm. on certain roads, it just neat, 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 squeaks and yeah. uh, there's nothing you can do. The rest of the instrument panel is flawless. And, and generally, the cheaper the car, the more likely, but not always. But not always. There's not some, always. There's some yeah. cars, the original Honda, the Ridgeline, that was bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Not a squeak, not a rattle. And there's somebody out there that's got a... <laughs> yeah, got Absolutely one that right. does. Well, I had a f- friend who bought super well built, who bought a really nice luxury car, and she took it back like three times over the first month because she'd had a week, and one of the speakers, something about the way the speaker was mounted, started rattling, and she took it back. She was like, "Guys, this car, this price, that shouldn't happen." And they had to chase it, and it took three visits, and they finally tra- tra- tracked mm. down whatever was shaking mm. in one of her speakers that was doing that that constant squeak thing that speakers do. Ugh. She oh, got yeah. it killed because she was like, "Guys, <laughs> not acceptable." And they said, "You're right," but it took them three tries. We found a mouse nest. No, yeah, just kidding. All bad. 
All right, uh, we've got to wrap things up. All right, Dan and Patton, any cool, cool quirks features he should try with his Model 3 rental he has for the next couple of days? <laughs> okay. Go to teslarati.com and search for Easter eggs. I think there's like family photos of Elon Musk that appear. It's crazy. The, you can do it, the, it's nuts. You can do this Tesla Star Trek thing. Eggs. You can do yeah. all kinds of crazy things. Evil Tangents Dale asked the question many people have asked. So I just thought I'd land on his, but many people have asked. It essentially said, okay, we just drove this Corolla, the XSE. Where does it go in relation to our lukewarm hatches episode, which was the base <laughs> Civic Sport? Good question. The, the and Mazda 3 this, yes. and the Elantra GT. Where does it go? I think it's more fun to drive than all three, but it is not as nice wow. as them either. Wow. I think you're wrong. Okay. But I, I don't think Toyota is thinking that positioning. Okay. And it was surprising. If you think without expectation and come into it, it's surprising. But if you think it's a performance, anything close to a hot hatch, yeah. you're going to be disappointed. No, but I don't. But those cars aren't hot hatches either. I think if we're talking fun to drive, I felt like it was more fun. I thoroughly enjoyed having that press car as yeah, we drove great. around it L.A. Yeah. I think it was more fun to drive than those three on sheer fun to drive factor. But it, do, it isn't as good as those as far as how nice is it. How nice does it feel? Where did my money go? It's not as nice. Hmm. But if it's just fun to drive, I think it's better than those three. I like that we keep dicing it up, too. Yep. I like that we we'll keep, keep going. It's great. Okay, guys, uh, we're wrapping it up. Thank you a million for your questions. We've got so many more to get to, but we will continue to answer them on subsequent podcasts. Like we said, if you've got your own debate, write to us. Write to us with what's on your mind, and the mm -hmm. social media questions are the uh, the day we podcast generally. So yes. look for those Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter postings. Local friend Jamie asks us if it's ever going to stop snowing, and I don't know that it is, sure. but I would like to get my Lotus out of the drive. A portion, random thing, a portion of my driveway today melted enough I saw concrete, and I was like, concrete? What is this doing? There's today? concrete. That's crazy, <laughs> but I've still it's still not possible. It'll happen. Thank you guys so much for listening. We would love for your ratings on the podcast. Uh, watch the TV show. Show, rate that on Amazon and IMDb if you would. That helps us immensely as well. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. 